Prologue, Saturday night, the big night out, the one you started, preparing for the moment you opened your eyes on the Saturday morning, asking yourself as you can complete the pattern of cracks across the bedroom ceiling that looked like Barbara Castle in profile. What am I going to wear tonight? This question would later prompt a trip to town to buy a new top, a garment that would eventually turn out to be skin tight. Mmm, white cap, sleeve, t-shirt. Exactly the same as all the others I lay in my wardrobe drawer. Doesn't, doesn't matter. There was something about a brand new t-shirt. I felt like me dressing, feel dressed up and dazzling. There was this terrible queen on the club scene called, known as Suicide Lee, so called, for the many wrist-slashing escapades and overdoses parasitical he put his body through each time he was dumped by his latest boyfriend. Since this happened, every other weekend, the sight of Kobito's Lee being carried away out of the club by possibly agitated queens being quite a regular feature on late night scene streets of Liverpool. These futile suicide attempts never took place in the privacy of his own home. They always carried out in public, usually in toilets of a pub or club. We knew that he would be quickly discovered with long-suffering friends and saved yet again from the jaws of death. He probably got off on the adrenaline rush all the high drama and its subsequent attention. We mistook for sympathy. Reality was ridiculed and pain piss-taking on a grand scale. One Saturday tea time he woke on a fine bed with a drug-induced coma and result of another attempt of self-harm. Previous night he asked his anxious pal Wiley in his best Camille voice what the time was. All six came a gentle reply. Oh my Christ, it's suicide screech, sitting bolt right out of the bed and screaming in direction. What am I going to wear tonight? I never socialised as suicide lead. I couldn't stand him. And to be honest, I thought he should abandon any further blot to depths on his life. Instead, entrust the task of matching him to one of many people, myself included, that would be only too happy to volunteer the job. But in a way, I sort of empathised with him when I heard the what am I going to wear story. Even the deliberating after-effects of an attempted suicide couldn't stop this queen permanent verge, urge to find an all-important something to wear and get out there clubbing. Every self-respecting young person went out on a Sunday night, regardless of circumstances. The stay in was unthinkable. It meant you were a close social outcast, a disgrace. A complete loser, forced to sit in his bedroom, listening to records and fretting about that the rest of the town was out clubbing and having a ball. I'm going out tonight, though, and looking friggin' gorgeous. Also, I believed, my tin skin-tight jeans. I been, had been freshly washed a bath that afternoon and spun and tumbledroid in Londrette or Church Road, where sometimes, in my haste to get ready, I've got to ask whether, well, or rather grovel perfectly, by a predictable pit bull, who ran the laundrette for her kind disposition for use of the drying machine. This full power would result in my being shown a door with a short reminder that the use of drives is strictly for those who had done a short full load in shop previous. Like a mantra, she read this out with a handwritten sign, separate to the wall uh, over the screen dryer, as is to give her declaration some sort of official authority. It's just one of the many rules and regulations written 
out on the inside of an empty soap powder boxes, and then stuck on win- machines, walls, even windows, the laundrette. That sh- either she or the other fifteen stone piece of pieces of simply encased in a uniform polystyrene uniform overall, a battered slippers. Who ran the show that she wasn't there? They had conjured up between the service watches in a clumsy cubbyhole that they immediately referred to as office. As the office refusal to be allowed to use the dryer meant running home to fold the deliverist ritual known as ironing your trousers dry. Process are never hundred percent certain unsuccessful and meant enduring a damp crutch, arse and pockets all evening. No damp jacket change tonight though. Brand new pair of brushed demon. Sea dogs were about to make their debut as the Ancookerous Cap Sleeve T shirt bought that afternoon in Birkenhead Market. Hair blow dried viciously until the top resembled the Carsman's Busby were back in the stairs. Nisi curd under my, by, by torturing my natural wavy hair with a round hairbrush. Any imperfections were as, such a purple. Pimple, a spot, or love bite must be endlessly disguised with a generous dub of right. Rimmel's hide and heel, that was the colour of magnolia emotion, and glowed unnaturally under the fluorescent lights of a glove. After checking myself in my, uh, my mother's dressing table mirror, I ascended the stairs, leaving an eye watering smoke uh, at Maria of her men in my wake. My mum uh, sat on the bottom step, talking to my auntie on the phone, scrunched up her face, and fainted it frankly put her hand like a panda dame who found out that the slippers fits. Cinderella. What in God's name you cover yourself in, she moaned. It smells like a gas attack. I hope you're not going you're going to wear a coat. You'll catch your death for going out like that. A coat? She must be kidding. Only mesh neat old people wear coats. I had my brown leather jacket trimmed enough uh, enough to be considered said about door wear. It went elasticated weight and it rolled up the bottom. I rolled the sleeve, pushed up to the elbow. It was a size too small for me. Therefore, I could I never possibly be mistaken for anything as developing shameful as a coat. You must be. I won't be late. I won't be late, I lied. If I'm not home, it means I stayed at one of my mates. Mates? Which mates? She said, asked Oh, I like to be, be behind you to see what you're up to. Were you these mates, my lad? You wouldn't, I thought. You were off out tomcatting again, Danny said. My mother sighed, resigning down the phone uh, to Marty. I don't know what he's up to, but I can't. I can do one thing, she added. Give me the cover. Cut once over as she spoke. The devil rides out. Oh, the devil rides out tonight, Annie. Chapter One The Ghosts of Holly Grove. I wonder what I did in past life. I was so evil to be cursed for a lunatic like my son. My mother sighed. I must have been the one who said to the Gustavo and Frank, Oh, she found the wardrobe. Why else would I have to suffer? Big, soft sissy, who's 18 years of age, has to sleep with his mother because he's scared of ghosts. Personally, I saw her more as Madame de Froge than an informant. But what ever since he found? She fancied she committed in the bar's life. She's right, I'm scared of ghosts. Body well petrified. I've been to see the exorcist at a Fortress cinema in Liverpool and had wound myself up 
the journey home to such a step. I, when I got in and scuttled up the stairs in bed, I lay there like a big old, big, soft sissy. I was asleep, fully convinced that an animation, similar to what I'd seen earlier on the screen, lurking somewhere in the room, waiting to browse. A moment I dared to close my eyes. Pulling the blankets over my head, I tried to blot out the image that the possessed child would have seen black tongue and nice lying in projectile vomiting. My heart was thumping. I knew it was impotent to, to allow infertile to down my imagination to up those nice marriage mares but I'm I'm afraid common sense had been left behind at the fuses and nothing had dissuaded me from the idea that something unholy was in the room I knew it I felt could feel it I speak all evil entity from the very bowels of hell was hunched at the bottom of my bed watching me suddenly through malevolent red eyes biding time under the inevitable attack could nothing else for it but to abandon ship Summon up my courage to thread the dark open space and landing and make a mad dash for the safe harbour of my mum's bed. I took a deep breath, closed my eyes and charged, leaving into bed and beside her. Not a wise move. Jesus, Mary, then Joseph, she screamed, waking up most of Tamir. Do you want to give me another heart attack? Quite rightly outraged into this welcome intrusion. She began belting me with her library books and lashing out with her feet as she tried to kick me out of my be- out of bed. Dodging the blows of my wide, large print, Jane Bedley, I attempted to explain her peculiar behaviour, hoping she might show a bit of mercy. She was none of it. Having none of it. Well, serves you right, she crowed, suddenly remembering to, to keep her voice down to a respectable level in case ne- Dot next door heard her. Going, going to see much rubbish? When you know full well that the Pope himself has condemned it, you reap what you sow, my lad. You don't expect to get a good night's sleep when you mess around with the devil, do you know? She was chuckling to herself. She leaned out of the bed, dropped out her library book to the floor, causing it to squint the alarm clock, the cabinet behind her. It's gone midnight, you big fool, she yawned, attempting another jab at me with her foot. And if you think you're lying on my bed, stinging the place out, the smell of fags and Puppy poo, you you squirted yourself with, and you've got another thing coming, mate. It's must have given up the acrimonium after Auntie Chrissy sniffed the fruit bowl, complaining she could smell a rotten orange. More, more, more like muck, she met. You mean? Come on, sting your hook. You're making the place sound like a horse garret. I lay on my back resignedly, folded my arms across my chest. I listened to her prattle on. I was at her mercy. It, it was either stay here or fate with my face in the bear, hiding under the bed with the most host of incubavi and sepulchre next door. Linda Blair was beginning to look like the hot favourite. People had become possessed by demons. They're sitting through the fifth filth, you know, she went on, warming her theme. Her theme. Mind you, not there's much room left inside your soul. We any more little to that room. Pace must be chuck a block by now. She was enjoying herself, ringing, ringing every last job she could get out of the situation. You must have get yourself down to the church instead of sitting in picture houses and that show films that not only blasphemous but downright pornographic. It wasn't pornographic. Not pornographic, she sputtered. Raising her voice to a couple of octaves. Well then, can you tell me 
what you call the sight of a young girl effing and blinding and shoving a honey crucifix up her you know what it, her outraged face was shiny from the noose of one of Avon's nighttime preparations her hair was wrapped carelessly in trifron headcloth with a blue plastic roller had been randomly attached to a strand of her hair poking out in front she never slept with the curtains drawn or the part of the door closed both were always wide wide open not the curtains were been of much used to block out the light if you bothered they're made of thin fiberglass and failed to miss meet the middle of the by a good six inches she walked off the peg and burnt man to replace the heavier ones that kept the sun out when my dad was on nights and trying to sleep during the day but she got the measurements wrong moreover one since then she quite liked the mod design black squares and oblongs of on turquoise background I like to make, make, take another Valium now, she snapped. Me and uh, another one's, me other one's worn off. Thanks for you waking me up. You you know I haven't slept well since your father died. Father been dead six months. My brother had been much hospitalized for suffering a near heart attack. Fatal heart attack and my father had been told by the doctor there wasn't much chance that she survived. I had been one myself. I had one myself and died that night. On that day in the funeral, my mother still seriously unforbidden by the doctors to make a journey to the Lexington Seminary. Her very husband lay numb and was shot in the house of bed. Her sister Christine, tight-lipped and grim-faced, a chair beside her. The funeral been quite an affair. Some weeks of her church was packed to rafters. The knights of the Coast of Columbia returned at false and as had half of Ireland, or so it seemed, it's touching to see many elderly people he regularly visited over years as a knight present as well. After the funeral, I had gone to live with my aunties, Annie and Christie, in Penton, not being trusted to live on my own in the 23 Holly Grove. I didn't object, as I no longer cared, going about my own daily business like an organization. I had clubbing days behind me. I moved too bleak to even begin to complain, and I doubt Sadie's, or the poor bed poor. I had particular yet. To my mind, satisfaction, the sensation I was fading, all the colour and light slowly leading away from me until I was nothing more than a grey shadow, a monochrome ghost, and was still very soon evaporated in thin air. My boss, Joe Black, at the magistrate's court, must have noticed something was wrong, judging by a number of times he called me to his office and asked if something was okay. He'd been particularly sicilious since my father's death, and was aware of rumours I got a woman in the court. court Court collecting office pregnant. You're going round with the weight of the world on your shoulders, lad. And he said, I find it unsettling that these days I always know where you are. I longer what I have to tell you to stop chattering and get all your work. So not like you, Paul. You seem to have lost your spark. So is there anything at all? Anything that you want to get off your chest? You know, you can always talk to me. I'm pretty unshakable, you know. I compliment this invitation to look upon Joe's office as a confessional for a moment. Before unquestionably declining, still being so speak, to speak. Well, I saw this love. I know my mum, who's still in the hospital, blames me for my dad's heart attack and subsequent death, as does my auntie Christie. Other members of the family, indeed, myself. The rumours during this round are all true. Diana from the courthouse, courting office, is pregnant. I'm the father. Yes, I'm aware of the situation, he said, sitting back in a chair and getting, taking his glasses off for a while, I think. Have you any? to an intention of getting married. 
No, Mr. Black, there's no chance of that happening. You see, I'm, well, I'm gay. You know that night of noise that Catherine takes that and makes a sort of, mmm. Well, that's perfectly described the sound that Joe made on hearing that speech of inflation. He sat forward sharply in his chair and suddenly became totally preoccupied with the task of polishing his glasses with the end of his tie. I'll get back to work. I'll get back to work. Then thanks for the chat. Yes, yes, you'll do that. Poor Joe. Well, he did not offer a sympathetic ear for me, but I flew my woes into. My mother was in hospital for quite some time. We were turning home. She spent a few weeks convalescing at Arrow Hill, a beautiful mansion in the middle of Arrow Park, where she finally discharged. She stayed with Annie and Christy, and living under the same roof of the three of them, with the kinders sharing lodgings with the three witches of the Scottish place, the superstitious nature who inherited the same three women for Benjamin to be named. My mother's grief was turned to fury. It felt as though I come my whippy boy. Christy was brittle as fun and sugar, and snappy like a, t- then a turtle. With a headache, it was best to try and keep out of her way. Well, Aunt Eve and he sat quietly, being her Sunday post, engulfed in pervading cloud of gloom. Buttons, it wasn't, it wasn't, but however uncomfortable tense the atmosphere became at times, it was definitely preferable to going back to Holly Grove, being alone with my mum. Well, when she finally felt it was time to go home, I tried desperately to be the middle of the sun, even going too far as to decorate the small front bedroom in a silent, silent shade of tonight to match a poster I found in a trendy new shop on Barrow Road. Discovered as, as I lavished emotion, hapless round the walls that I'm painting, and the decorating wasn't my forte. It probably took less time to paint the ceiling Sistine Chapel than I did in my, that tiny room. Nevertheless, my mother delighted with it, remarking the same mind of her length. Inspired by my bout of home improvement, she took a trip to this trendy little shop which I forever singing the praises to buy a very modern white cabinet for the middle room, which she arranged as new in dressed orange fruit dishes and plates, all that was left of a carnal ware set her uncle Hell had brought from Hong Kong a plastic picture plastic statue or lady filled with the Lord's water and pots of medication tablets in a neat little line. We're getting on better now. At first it could do no right. We fought constantly. Eventually was pass pausing in time, settled in an uneasy truce. Our anger finally abating as gradually kind of search for some form of normality that to life about my father. Now here we are in bed together. The last time I'd done this, I was a small boy on New Year's Eve, listening to ships and the river sounding the falcons and welcome to the new year. It was assuring yet melancholy, sound my young ears as I drifted off to sleep, dreaming of Popeye. Nowadays this river was quite a lot quieter, and leave falcon to be heard, going with a battleship lying next to me. She yawned violently. You'll never guess who I bumped in Buckhead Market, she said, recovering from Rossi's yawn and gently smacking her lips. Who? Go on, guess. I can't be bothered, ma'am. Who? That's your trouble, you can't be bothered. Well, I'll tell you who it is. Well, it was. It was Elaine Henshaw. Elaine Henshaw was her husband, George. I ran in the local grocers, come news agents, as long as I can remember. I must have gone in that shop every day of my life, running messages from her ma and various neighbours. The inferior deteriorated this, this shop was filled with my own front room. I am with their son, who I imagine. Access to an unrented suite and comic supply, 
except for an, edu- an, an educational one called Look and Learn, which brought me to tears. Ella was lovely proud of her son and would sing her praise, praises. It shot much to my ma's annoyance. At the age of eight, the confident born precocious brat, and naturally assumed that every adult I came into contact with would fall instantly in love with me. If I sensed that I didn't quite have them in a bag when there was a range of tricks up my sleeve, but that's on charm. Beautiful smile, the face of a cheeky angel. How could they suckers resist? Elaine could, since she did. She is imperilous to my charms, probably because each time she looked at me, she saw my mild potential overdrawn paper bill. I never, I can instantly recall those excruciating moments when skirming in front of the refrigerated counter while Elaine inquired in a voice could be heard down in Campbell Lade's workshop. If my mum had any intention of paying a paper bill in the near future, my mother was not very good when it came to managing money. It slipped through her fingers like water. Not there was an abundance of it in the first place. She never seemed to balance the books. She admitted herself. As soon as I got me wages off your dad, in my purse it vanishes like fairy gold. Consequently, the paper bill and chores slowly mounted up until eventually Elaine quite adjustably snapped and felt it compelled to tell me. I passed out a reminder of that sunny debt on my mother to my mother. At that time I called out the shop, all eyes open to me. So I imagined my face burning with shame to convey Elaine's message to my ma. It would have been an effect of my uh, similar lighting the loop patch paper on an atomic bomb. As means of revenge, my mother, occasions when her paper bill was up to date, meaning that she would enter the shop, and knowledge that she was, was a bet temporarily in the black, would surely make disparaging remarks about George Sockerbrook, home-boiled ham, and roast beef pointing towards offending objects, as if insanely would require of Elaine's, is that ham fresh, golden thrown and down, Elaine would take the challenge and gentle... Battle eyebrows arched and teeth clenched and would commence. There was no loss of love loss between them, particularly after I was sacked from my job as a paperboy. When I broke the news to my ma, he stood in the kitchen stove like Elena Akakoing with a chip pan, furiously shaking it as she ranted. Eventually there was nothing felt less than to cut chips inside the cremated splinters. It took the roof off my dad my your mouth. Of even though you softened the blow by slandering them in dead sauce and vinegar and wrapping them inside half a slice of toasted mother's pride. She was sympathetic about your dad, said how was she how she was. She said quietly we had a lot we had a quite nice chat. Laying on her side and her back to me, thinking and looking up at the window. She's a decent woman and a lean and sure, she said after a moment. Carried hard every day of her life. Running at shop, she sighed along deep before picking up the thread again. I don't bloody blame her for sacking you as a paper boy. When I think about it, right back of it now, she added, you could, it could have been a job for life. You played your cards right. I nearly fell up my bed. Was I hearing clearly? Could mother actually be sharing her little headshot with the same, very same woman? Been sparring partners since my time, my time began. With such clubbing and tender accolades, ever even talking, uh, taking her side and agreeing with her, yes, could she could 
It's yours. Doing it as com- being as contrary as a rich woman's cat she did. A job for life, I paid for you, sat up. I said at her, wondering if she couldn't really pay for me. I said if she did. If she did, then I was always having her certified. You know what I'm, what, what I'm getting at. A joke you could have grown up and then got a proper job. But a great day is funny going to... Whatever was that, the great day is funny to get on. I lay down not wishing to fly this in case. I provoked further discussion on highly contentious manner. The career rumbling in <coughs> Over hell. My dad's death seemed to have healed all wounds between her and some old a fellow war horses. Arriving home from work not long after we moved back in Holy Grove. I found Rose Long, but our next door neighbour but one. Next door but our next door but one neighbour and who my mum the fault so but of with over years. Was in cutlass to kitchen sink. Where'd she take her cot off? said the Frodip, putting furtly, putting her hand up like a boulder cut cop. Run to the shop and get your ma'am a fight of milk. She neatly rattled out. I make, and you'll there get a bit of something to make a butty with. I came back bearing the milk and a quarter of a home beef. My butty to find rose and my ma. All grievances and rails discreetly put behind them, like the cushions of the sofa, which both ladies now sat enjoying the tea and each other's remembrances as they played. Remember when? Remember when? Your toasters went missing, Rose. Remember when your pool went missing? I got some corned beef, I said lamely, in the vain hope of getting a word in. I was a, and was annoyed with a brief nod of both women's heads. Remember that cold, terrible cold air raid? The bomb went off and half a dozen of snots came down the chimney, covered with cellar and Brenda and Miss Cots, he said cheerfully. They looked like a pair of old Johnsons, my ma replied, laughing. But remember the mess? So everywhere. Yes, but we soon get it cleared out at the end. Rose said, getting up. Where's that corned beef? I'll make you a mum and little butty. It's all right, Rose. I can do that, my mother said, pulling herself up to the sofa. No, you won't, Molly. You can stay where you are. You must be a bloody... You 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 have just had a bloody heart attack. Talk about friendly laser, Suddy. I took a sly look at my ma's face. Any signs of annoyance or resentment that rose, taken charge and was in the kitchen. Her kitchen it was not a trace. Instead, she drank her tea contently and continued to her conversation. Rose by shouting from the sofa. There's a, a bit of piccalilli in the cupboard. Rose, if you fancy it, help yourself. Making my excuses, I went upstairs for a quick kip, leaving them to it. I was drifting off when I heard Rose the, saying as she left, I'll get you those few messages in the morning if you've got anything, anything at all. And give me a shout, I'll, send, I'll send it round. I could hear lots of thanks and take care of it of, as I dodged off. Curious and curiouser. They'd known each other for a lifetime, during which there'd been many a fault, battle fault accomplished. All the usual intrigue, rows, petty vendettas, and even escalated out of proportion and co- a flaming, a bloody dangerous, lead to futile, futile levels. One wrong word, a selfish act, my own myth that might subject to a doorway gossip, or suddenly blanked in the street, or given a look, may interpret as dirty one, and tempers would light flare up, sweeping across doorsteps, hedges, white wide fences, quicker than a bushfire. Rose and her husband do get on particularly well with Dot, our next door neighbour, 
and her husband George. They never spoke except to Ralph. My ma was very friendly with Dot, but if Dot saw her speaking to Rose very briefly, then Dot would blank her for a couple of days from what she considered to be an act of treachery. If Rose ever called to the house, when Dot would send my ma to her pardar. This would last until something interesting occurred, and you hear the phone really knock on the wall, which meant, quick, come round. Mary, who lived on the other side, of, and appeared to be getting quite overrendered thick, as my ma called it, with Rose, spent more time gossiping at the bottom of Rose's steps than was considered a settle. And my ma would view Mary with deep suspicion, constantly blank her. Sometimes that nobody spoke at all, as everybody was busy blanking each other, as if an older Camelite soon communicated by so many doors, banging windows, and taking over the grove. Reflecting on the past now, I realise how much an edible imprint these equally different women left on me, how important a role they played in my impressive formation. Formative years contributing enormously to sense security, which I felt they, while growing up. I'll never forget Rose, homemade toffee apples, when their tire gove were hot together on bonfire night, or when her dog gave her to puppies, or caravan holidays in North Wales. I can taste dots with potatoes now, and hear her buddies reciting nursery rhymes and trips and memory trips in Mary to the pizza pizza cinema on the Barrow Road to see the latest James Fulham is valid as if it were yesterday. It was Mary's kitchen I first had bread and dripping. Wild horses wouldn't get me to eat dripping today. But back then I happily ride into the doorstep of white bread smeared with the stuff that I listened to Mary's husband Telling me tales of his childhood, he shaded over the kitchen sink with a cut rope throat razor. Years later, I eventually discovered the books of E. E. F. Benson, in particular his monstrous creations, Matt Lucifer, this year. I realised how much the day-to-day politics of Holy Grove paralleled telling the domain of Benson Herbies. The ladies telling went about their public businesses, Seemingly uninterested in private affairs, they are good friends and neighbours, and close and the same plight to good whites of Holy Grove. A different story behind closed doors. They found the ears that feigned deafness and the feet were now in, all probably pressed against walls, and eyes that looked purposely ahead, purposely but minding your own business, were now veiled behind a, veil, a pair of nerd neck curtains, swaying their manner and their neighbourhood's affairs in Tennessee of a hawk. As of most small working class communities, the same nickelabs became interwoven as they argued, snubbed, laughed and cried of each other over oh, the years. The first time I watched Coronation Street, I thought so could instantly relate to the characters. Why wouldn't why didn't we have an Elsie? Dennis Tanner and Hilda, Edda, Len Carlov, Len Fairclough, and they walk on my own doorstep. Holigo was a daily soap itself. One that ran for many years. Many years until the original cast died, moved on, or just vanished. You know, what a ghost that have put some poor woman to haunt the grove, my mum said, a little improperly, I thought, considering I was just cleaning on the bedclothes like an electrical, electrocuted cat. You told me that. It's true, and it asked Rose Long. You don't believe me? These houses are built on the site of an old quarry, Davis Quarry, I think it was called. Anyway, it was around the, t- the early 1900s. It's probably she lived just as that, back in the Holt Road. Well, her son went missing and believing that he'd fallen in the quarry. She went around looking for him, 
frantic though, and poor soul was like a woman possessed. And what happened to them? Well, if you stop interrupting, I'll tell you. She snapped momentarily, dropping the funeral tones. She adopted to tell the tale. As I was saying, he was demented and running about on the cemetery, run, shouting, Cubit, 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 yes, Cubit. It's a very popular name in those days, like Cedric and Walter. Have you been reading the Beano? Don't talk daft any way. She felt in the quarry. Broken neck and died later that night. Broken head journal. Ever since folk had claimed to have seen her spirit, started staring at the window at them, looking for a little boy, her said, finishing the erratic by a log of theoretical shudder. Folk, what folk? Who are these people who are supposed to have been seen her? Lots of people. Mary, Dot, Rose, Long. Auntie Chrissy, Papa Doughty and Thomas, aren't we? Well, what happened to Cooper then? Oh, I think he was found alive. Well, I'm playing in Mersey's Park. A little tinker, I think. A woman's name is Elaine. Oh dear, she really says I'm putting the huge ubers on me now. I really wish I'd had the guts to go back to my room. I knew it was possible at that moment. I didn't knew in my heart's a heart, so at my bedroom. The same familiar room that mum had decorated years earlier in the bonnet shades of red and mustard resembled Tower King of the Kirk Avengers apartment, the room. I said, in room for all my life, my 18 years, been a time being turned into one of the bottles there, and that best left alone. Have you been taking drugs? No, I haven't. Uh, then what was, has, was, has you ter- so terrified? It's the DTs of her hearts, if you ask me. You don't normally get delirium tendrums, half a white cider, which by the way is all I had tonight. I told her, trying to muster the what was left of my dignity, Oh, don't you now? You're very knowledgeable on the subject of all the sun, aren't you? And suddenly have have you, have you taken the toilets back to sixty to get yourself some Hobart's either? Oh, wouldn't, haven't you now? Mr. Smarty asked. No. Then why do you be, do you believe? Be, why are you believe behaving like a bloody great wet Nelly when too scared to sleep in your own bed? I had to grieve her. My display of childish terror was irrational behaviour. Even by my standards, I didn't care. I wasn't moving off as if I didn't help it. I meant best to stay here with this silly devil rather than the one that taken up residence next door. Have you been reading the beginning? No, I've done that bit, sorry. I'll tell you something else, my ma said, picking up where she left off earlier. Since Henshaw was told, sold up, moved on, you can't get a decent bit of bald ham for love or money. I sat her up, forgetting my fears, and I'm ready to turn and look at her. Made her ability to switch from a ghost of lane to Henshaw's bald ham. Anyone can boil a ham, she went on, but it requires a great skill to do it properly. And when it's all said and done, George Henshaw was a master of his craft. You could, wouldn't, take, couldn't, wouldn't taste bald ham like he's again in a hurry. Well, it's a pity. Went to answer, but her stunned confusion and rendered me momentarily speechless. It appeared that my father's there for softened her attitude towards everyone but me. I asked her what had brought this change of heart towards George's ham and his remembrance studying sniping room matches she had indulged in over the years with his wife. What are you talking about? she asked, her voice rising towards a high dungeon level. I was a fellow customer of those years. He got along fine, thank you very much, adding, if it's proof of a loyalty, I was at a Christmas club, for sale's sake. I could just go for a nice slice of ham right now. 
Odd tea, nice flurry, flurry back from stubs. The scrap of mustard, a nice cup of tea. Everything was suddenly nice. The two volume must have kicked in. Run down and make a cup of tea for you. You can you turning over and heaving yourself up on the pillow. Come on, you woke me up. How good and proper, you bloody nuisance. I'm quick to remember myself for that reason. I was in my bed in the first place. I was quite terrified to sleep in my own case the exercise got me. I'm satisfied now. Still scared. At least my hair was no longer standing on end. I went in. However, I don't think it's quite brave enough to go downstairs. Face the back co- kitchen just yet. Sid suggested we leave a cup of tea in the morning. Well, go on then, she prompted. What are you waiting for, Dawn? You can't wait. Can't, you don't want tea this hour? Morning, surely. I don't know why you, why you don't go down and put the kettle on. You're scared, aren't you? No. You are. You're terrified, isn't it? She was like a cat with a mouse. I'm not. Then can't you tell me what the bloody hell are you doing in my bed? Shh, keep down your voice. Nick, not next door, we hear you. I don't want her knowing I was sleeping with my mother. Well, one is the guard, she's crowned, leaning across the bed and giving me a little shove. You should be ashamed of yourself at your age, scared of ghosts. Don't you know that the dead can't hurt you? It's a living you've got to worry about. Now get down the stairs and put the kettle on and mind out, mind out for lame. With that leave, cracked out the room and felt for light, landing light. Dark, holding her breath and resisting the urge to overcover. I could hear her laugh behind me. Wait till I ring our oh, honey first thing, she cracked. Wait till I tell her about this bloody carry-on, serving your poor mum in the middle of the night. Who, by the way, is still covering for a heart attack in case you've gotten? Went up, went for it and ran down the stairs, quickly, moving quickly in the front room and turning the lights on as I went. Not daring to look the right or left, I made my way to my friends in kit. My our freezing kitchen. I liked the fluorescent chew. I long me hated, but there was now extremely grateful. Illuminated a tiny kitchen, like a football pitch. I quickly filled the room kettle, lit the gas, and put it on the boil. So far, I managed to avoid looking at the window in the darkness of the dark yard. Am I busying myself with the complicated process of putting tea bags and mugs and getting the milk out? But however hard I tried to free my mind of all matters spiritual, I couldn't know the unsettling feeling that ain't being observed in the shadows of the yard. And then, typically, right on cue, the lights and sprinkly went out, plunging the kitchen in the darkness and rooting me to the spot, terror stricken. I was aware of the pounding sound I could hear, my heart furiously beating, a tidal wave of blood rushing into my eyes, my eyes slowly becoming accustomed to the moonlight, a scene I horror that quite clearly. Something that looked very much her face, partially covered by a white cowl, was staring at me. I screamed, or at least I uh, opened my mouth, but nothing seemed to come out. The ghost of Lane might have forgiven me, mistaken me for the scream of my mouth. My jaw relaxed it's, as it slowly began to dawn on me. The impression that, that that had me in such a state was not the ghost of Lane, but in fact that of a, that of a tea towel hanging on the washing line. It was one that my ma had bought. Back to the Isle of Man, taking the laxy will of her face. Fall, I told myself to get a grip. You know such fingers, ghosts. That's what that what was that? I just simply heard it. There was an imagining scuffling and scratching, slowly approaching from behind. Unable to turn around and left look behind me. I could feel something feeling its way to the top of the step and let down in the kitchen. I urged a scream and run was now overpowering. Yet I couldn't as I stood rooted to the spot of the fear, I could hear it plainly now. A rush of breath from wherever it was was hovering behind me, 
Just all the above the blood pounding in my ears. A roar the jet gas jets. A hiss a kettle as it began to boil. I swallowed hard. The noise I produced sounded of a drop of brick and swamp. My voice suddenly came a voice coming suddenly out of darkness. I never did at least three feet in the air. Don't just stand in the darkness. Dark like one who loses one who loses you soft bugger, she demon said with a yawn. Turn that kettle off and come in here and find me purse. A ten pot bob. The meters run out. <laughs>